Welcome to Mac and Blue, where we introduce you to who is building Arizona, bringing you the people and businesses that shape the landscape around us. From economic development and developers, underwriters and lenders, architects and engineers, to the very builders and suppliers that bring it all together. Now let's join our hosts, Robert Johnson and JJ Levensky, aka Mac and Blue. Welcome to Mac and Blue. I'm Robert Johnson, Vice President of Business Development with Tory Contracting. I got it right this time. Um, he gave himself a demotion, yeah, demotion from the last from episode. The last time. Um, this other guy is J.J. Levinsky, who is the president of Blue Wave General Contracting. And we did this before, so I'll say, uh, you're going to be busy this week? Yeah, are you? Yeah, yeah, always. It's it's. I mean, you know how it goes. It's fun. We're in construction. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, why don't you introduce us next? We are lucky enough to have the talented and slightly opinionated uh, Mark Taylor, the chief geek, president, owner, operator, custodial engineer, street sweeper (laughs) for Extreme Aerial Productions. And uh, Mark, thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's quite an honor. So um, for those of you that don't know Mark and his company... um, He's much more than a drone guy. <laughs> yeah, He's he an really entertainer. Is. Yeah, I'm just in reading today. Um, I was like, wow. I don't know, Mark. We've known each other, what, maybe four or five years? We have, yes. And um, as I've gotten to know Mark, uh, and for those of you in the industry that know him, uh, like I said, there's so much more than drones. But at the core competency of what you did and how you kind of pierced through in the construction space, that's what got you here in the beginning, correct? Right. So yes. if you would... Let the audience know a little bit about your background, how much you, how long you've been in the valley, and then how you started Extreme. Okay, sure. just to start off. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, first of all, for the audience, um, I do need a pair of sunglasses because JJ's shirt <laughs> is killing me. Um, I don't know if I've got motion sickness or. You or will what. by the time it's over. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, um, luckily Robert didn't wear his jacket. I'm telling you. Uh, yeah, anyway, it's come on, it's it's, it's yeah. a calling card. It is. It is. As long as it matches your underwear, yeah. that's what counts. Um, <clears throat> So I was a mortgage professional uh, for 25 years. and He's I, still in therapy, by the way. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a recovering, I should have said that. I'm a recovering mortgage banker. Um, but my shtick was always to add value to realtors. And I didn't want to be, oh, I've got the best rates, I close the fastest, none of that. I wanted to help people intrinsically build their business and build their brand. So that led me into video and learning a lot about marketing with video and was fortunate to command quite a large marketing budget to test what works and what doesn't work. And when the advent of drones came along, uh, before they had cameras on them, I actually videoed me taking off uh, a drone in the local park. And this is what changed everything for me. First of all, I turned on the drone without turning on the radio because I didn't know what I didn't know. (laughs) So as I'm walking away, I hear this and I turn around and off is flying the drone, goes up 1,200 feet in the air and then turns itself off and crashes in the tree next to me. So I've got all this. this and this was your first flight? First flight. <clears throat> got it out of the box, took it to the local park, and I'm like, what the hell have I done? And um, I posted the video. And a realtor friend of mine said, Mark, send it back to Amazon. And I was like, why? Well, you just tell them it's faulty. I'm like, what? All right, so I send it back to Amazon, and he calls me, and he's calling me every day. Have you gotten the drone back yet? Have you gotten the drone back yet? I went, 
no, I don't. He goes, well, when you do, I've got this listing and I, I won this listing. I won this listing. So what happens was it arrives and I slap a GoPro on it. I don't know how to fly. And <laughs> off I go to this listing that wasn't anything particularly special in Fountain Hills, but a beautiful home nonetheless. So as I'm setting up outside this cul-de-sac above this house, this guy comes up in a dually and he slams on the brakes and parks right in front of us and gets out and is swearing and just screaming at us why we're on his property. Well, the comedy that you, you can o- I can only describe to the, for the visualization is I'm 6'3 and not exactly a small guy. Correct. This guy's seven foot two, <laughs> and I thought he was going to eat me for lunch. So I'm like pooping my pants, right? And he comes up and he goes, what's that? And he just chills right out instantly. I mean, it's a drone, sir. And then the realtor of record goes, hey, Ken, I'm here to um, do some pre-marketing for your home for our listing appointment tomorrow. So he was the client. <clears throat> he wasn't the client yet. You don't market a pro- real estate property until you have your letter of engagement Got it. and the listing contract. So I snap my head around and go, "Yeah." oh, so he didn't have he this He didn't yet. have listing. <clears throat> ah. So this actually has a, a benefit and a detriment. So he's chats to the realtor record and then uh, he says wait here and he's still pretty terse and he drives down to his house so i'm picking up my stuff and uh, the realtor i can't don't want to say his yeah, name it's fine <clears throat> goes what are you doing i go dude that guy's gonna go get a shotgun i'm getting out of here and you lied to me you don't have the freaking listing you know we can't be doing this and he goes, just just wait. And so I'm putting the stuff away. And then all of a sudden I hear, bum, 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 bum. and I'm like, ooh, what's that? Well, he turns up in a carbon fiber custom Audi R- R8. And, I'm, and he gets out of the car and he comes up to me. And I go, I'm looking at him really weird. And he goes, yeah, I had Shaq's people do it. Because he's seven foot two, and he started telling us how he'd had the car modified. Yeah, I was so he could actually my drive first thing it. I was okay. thinking, mm-hmm. this guy, this size, how is he in that kind of a car? And that was his sense of pride. Yeah. And he looks at me, he goes, I want you to follow me down into the garage. I want you to film everything. And then I want you to send uh, me the video so I can share it with my friends in Omaha. I'm like, okay. So I follow him down. I'm really bad, and it's shaky footage. In fact, it's still on my website. <laughs> if, if anyone was to see this footage, or give me this as a reel for being hired, I, I would just just laugh and deny them instantly. And then when I land at the bottom, and I'm still shaking because I've flown into a garage from the outside. First really, time. First time. Right. And then he goes, this is freaking awesome. This is, this is amazing. This is, this is everything I could imagine. Now you're going to fly through my house. I'm like, no, I'm not. He goes, you have to understand, as you go up the, sto- the stone stairs, I had the... Um, property raised, the pad raised, so that as you walk in and the Cantera door opens, you have this visual effect of the travertine flooring disappearing into my infinity edge pool. And I'm like, mm, this is kind of cool. And as you walk up the stairs and the doors open, you follow the eye line and it does. It looks like it's going in the pool. Well, I fly this. And what you don't see is grandma's pewter picture frame vibrating off the wall and crashing to the floor. And I turn around like this, and he goes, fucking awesome, <laughs> keep going. And then you don't see all the um, dry plants going everywhere on the baby grand piano. And, you don't, <laughs> and I, I almost dunk it into the, into the swimming pool, and then I spiral out. 
That gets all said and done, and we post the video. So here's where the whole did he like started. it? He he felt it was okay, and I, I could mm. see why mm. it was okay. And you know, I didn't know what I didn't know at the time. I didn't know how to expose. I didn't have the right cameras. Right. I didn't have the right lenses. Right. But this is what 2014. What then happens was three weeks later, I'm driving in the car and I get a call. And I answer the phone and the guy goes, is this Mr. Taylor from Extreme Aerial? And I said, yes, it is. He goes, we have a client who's seen your recent video with, a, with an Audi in it. And I went, uh-huh. And he goes, we'd like to engage your services. I go, well, who's the client? Well, you'd have to sign an NDA. So at that point in time, I really didn't know what an NDA was, <laughs> but I wasn't really wanting to sign anything. So I said, thank you very much. You can go pound sand. I hang out. I think I'm getting punked. Because mm -hmm. I had a lot of people talk to me about the video. 20 minutes later, he calls up and he's really, really nervous. And he goes, Mr. Taylor, please don't swear at me. Please don't hang on me. My boss is going to kill me. But I have to get you a letter of engagement to come and fly. I go, what am I doing for you? I don't understand. He goes, well, you fly drones, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, we've seen your video. And I go, Ha! Now I got you. Now I know you're full of shit. Because there are only, as of this morning, 12 views on Google, and 11 of them are from my mom in Vancouver. <laughs> so you can kiss my ass, don't call me again, bugger off. Click. So three weeks later goes by, I'm driving, and I get this lovely lady called Simone uh, with this very gravelly New York Jewish accent. Much it's like yours. Very much like yeah. mine. In fact, yeah. more dulcet, I would say. <laughs> much more dulcet. Um, <clears throat> and she... Uh, and I can't do it, so um, I don't want to offend Yeah, do you? I don't. I can't, I can't do it. Um, I can only do NASCAR anyway. So she's like, don't hang up on me. Do not hang up on me. And don't swear at me that you're not getting punked, Mr. Taylor, but I represent Audi of North America. Oh, oh. that is too funny. Um, we would like you to be on a shoot. And I was like, okay. And she went through the terms and conditions, said, is that acceptable? And I went, yeah, sure, no problem. I'll be there next Friday. So that's what launched my career. And, and dr correct me if I'm wrong, drone footage was very, very, very new at this point. I mean, very new. And you it would think somebody like Audi would have had other people at their disposal. No, there wasn't anybody uh, really available. It was all heavy lift operators and everything. And, and um, I, I went out and flew for them. And what really launched my career was the fact that we were rained out for seven days. And what happens in the production world is they have pods of EPs, executive producers, directors, DPs, gaffers. Their, their crew are booked for two days, and then they're on travel, and then on to Georgia or wherever it might be, right? So I'm good at one thing, and that's being friendly to people, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so I take them to the bar, and I get them drunk for two <laughs> days. And I went through four pods. And by the end of it, we got that final six-second shot, and I was compensated very well. And I came home, and about a month later, people started calling me, which led to BF Goodridge, led to Scripps Network, uh, Log Cabin Living Show, Discovery Channel. Wherever they went, they would then call and have me go and be part of the production team. So were you, Mark, were you not only the, f the first in Arizona, but even the, some of the first in the country? Mm. No, there were lots of people getting on the bandwagon yeah, with deliberate intentions that were in the production space. Or wasn't the first in Arizona. Oh. Um, definitely the first in Arizona that we're aware of, of to pierce the, the construction and survey Yeah, side. I'm going. So, but in construction. In construction. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay so now, 
So oh, now, that's a real cool leap. That's a really quick story. So, so where are we now? Are you up to 2015 now, or is it a little later? Yeah, about 20, um, 2016, um, I'm on a real estate house shoot with a realtor uh, friend of mine, Dawn Matese. And uh, it's a Saturday. We're doing a farmhouse in Gilbert. And there's this gentleman that's with her, her husband, who I didn't know who he was. Right. And um, I'm flying my drone in between the barns and the the uh, railings, the horse fences. And he's like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And just doing what I do. And um, he asked me to come by the office and uh, talk to his company. So when I show up at the office, it turns out to be Brian Matese of Boosing Corp. Oh, yeah, and, sure. And um, they had some challenges with their drone and... I ended up, uh, and still do to this very day, fly three to four missions a week for them, um, doing topo and earthwork calculations. So while that was going on, I had been um, approached by flood control, who I still have an on-call contract, and they wanted me to investigate the best, most accurate, least hardware labor-intensive system for photogrammetry and 3D modeling, which I hadn't much experience at. And I got heavily entrenched in that along with boosting, which is where um, the skills went right through the roof at that point. So, yeah, I mean, you, <clears throat> go ahead. It's, it's like, because uh, these were the things that I wrote down. So from, from doing Audi real estate and you get into topography, mm -hmm. and I've even seen plant health and yes. yields of, for agriculture. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems like it is just the possibilities are endless for for what can be done with it. I, I know there's a there's a top, but how do you make? I mean, again, you had to learn about topography and 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 the. I would assume it takes different gear yes. to do something like that. And, and that's the inherent challenge. Um, there isn't anything we can't do. I mean, last week we were dropping dropping golf balls. Uh, on on pins for for charity, right? Right. Uh, we've delivered Rolexes. I've been involved in uh, uh, blood delivery. Before we leave, I'll give you an address if you can deliver one to my place. <clears throat> yeah, sure. Yeah. You have to go work for Striker um, and win a sales award. But um, pretty much anything that you can think of, down to sniffing ga for gas leaks, um, to um, Catching people stealing solar panels and installing them as new because we can tell with the thermal uh, results that they're used or broken after install. Um, to finding mem membrane leaks on a brand new install on an Amazon warehouse. Um, there isn't any form of um, detection, inspection, um, marketing that can't be captured. And in an emotional way. So let's break this down. Yes. Because for the audience's sake, we're, we're actually combining two things. And I think it's important that for the audience's mm -hmm. sake, we understand. Yep. Let's take the technology side of mm -hmm. the, the, the data gathering out of it. But, okay, let's yeah. go down that second. Sure. Let's break it back to how this first started with drones. Yes. Okay, so let's take the drone and just go down drone first. Mm -hmm. So Mark, again, for the audience, and mm -hmm. I mean, we've all seen the transformation. And quick transformation in drone, you know, when everyone first saw them to now... Oh my God! You, you know it's fighting a war in Ukraine right yes. now. Um, maybe you've got maybe you're part of that and you can't <laughs> talk about it. No, um, it's all good. Okay, just go into the technology, the regulatory piece, mm. all just on the drone side because I think everyone has a misnomer about what that really looks like. 
Absolutely. Educate, educate the uneducated, including all of us. Oh, thank you for the, the direction. Um, we wouldn't be in the position today had we not spent an inordinate amount of time in pre-preparation for legislation. Um, and by that, what I mean is when I was doing all of this and before I met uh, Boo Singh and the guys, I was on a house shoot following the rules and regs of filming a house because as a mortgage banker, I have a fiduciary. Realtors have E&O insurance, but it doesn't cover them for invasion of privacy. So I never wanted to put a real estate partner of mine in a compromising position with privacy or not following the rules and regs. But at the time, there really weren't rules and regulations. What they did was after we had a particular real estate shoot where the next-door neighbor complained to the realtor and us, in fact, it got so contentious the police were actually called, uh, where he, this particular individual threatened the people selling the home next door, hmm. um, to him filing multiple Facebook complaints, and then finally the FISDO, Flight Standard District Office of Scottsdale, getting involved, to them uh, calling me in for an educational meeting, where they suggested that I go get my pilot's license. And I looked at him and went, I'm basically flying a toy. You want me to go fly a manned aircraft? I go, yes, we need you to be proficient at it. Oh, I, no. You... Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I had to go. So me being me and the personality that I am and going, oh, my God, I don't ever want to put anybody in jeopardy and I follow the rules as much as I like to bend them, um, I got my ass in to a flight instructor school, and 32 days later, I showed up at FISDO with my license, and they went, uh, we, don't, we, we don't know what to do with you. I go, well, you told me to get this. <laughs> I haven't known what to do with you since I met you. But keep going. Yeah. Um, so they said, well, you know, you've, you've met all the rules and regulations. Now you have to get your 333 at the time it was called, 333. And what does that mean, Mark? The 333 exemption gave you permission to enter the airspace and operate a drone. At that time, it was adjudicated as uh, if you were a manned pilot. Flying a drone, we still have what's known as a sterile cockpit where we can't talk to anyone when they approach you, just like a pilot with a closed door. There are certain things that we are held to a similar standard as if you fly a 333. Uh, sorry, if you fly a 737. Um, but the 333 at the time allowed you to be legitimate and then allowed you to apply for certificates of authorization to fly around Scottsdale Airport or Glendale or wherever you needed to operate. And from there, they also, the FAA... Now, went, was this at the cusp of all that? Cusp of all I mean, of this it, is, yeah. what, six years ago now? Five, Seven years ago. Okay, yeah. So before everyone knew what the impact was going to be correct. in airspace. Okay, yes. so keep going. Tory Contracting, your full-service Division 9 contractor. Tory Contracting operates with a smaller, hands-on team. This cohesive structure results in superior workmanship and economical solutions. We deliver projects with unsurpassed commitment to quality and stewardship of budget. Tory Contracting, small enough to listen, big enough to deliver. And then they got it even tighter. If you're on a if you're on a movie set, you have to have a motion 
TV operating manual and procedures, which was $1,500 to pay for an attorney to get it done, took eight months to get approved. Your application to fly in Scottsdale, like we were, we were hired by Ferrari to follow all the Ferraris down Scottsdale Road. Well, that took four months and they still didn't approve it. And we couldn't get the approval because they didn't have the infrastructure. Uh, they didn't have the SOPs and the facilities mm -hmm. to know how to deal with a drone. They just knew we have to deconflict. We have to treat it like a Cessna 182 flying down Scottsdale Road. And it isn't. So therefore, you can't. And I ended up doing a, a tour of every single facility, air traffic control tower in the valley. And their reaction was always the same. My reaction was... I'm a man pilot, and you're controlling me, and you've never been in an airplane. What the hell's going on with you? How can you control me and tell me how to enter the airspace when you can't even fly the damn thing? That was my reaction. Their reaction was, you can geofence this, and you can force it to not fly more than 200 feet, and yeah. if the shit hits the fan, you push a button and it falls out of the sky. And they're like, well, what are we all worried about? And from that point on... The communication has been very, very fluid and, and helpful. But for me, my frustration with legislation is you've got guy, you guys in construction, as in everybody yeah. listening, mm -hmm. poop your pants when OSHA shows up on the job site. Okay? That's, that's a civil finding. You guys go to Best Buy and fly a drone on a job site, you're breaking like 30 federal laws, you know, where the fines just are exponential and just can keep going. Um, What's, what's a fine for um, not wearing a hard hat and glasses on the job site? Depends, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So flying a drone, every single person you fly over without their permission and breaching the airspace for that area, it's a fine per human being. Wait a second. For every person you fly over without their permission. You're endangering them. Mm -hmm. Which is why we have parachute systems, why we have, we, um, as of last month, apparently we're still the only company in Arizona with a waiver to fly over human beings, as they call it. So we can fly any stadium or any public event as long as we have specialized parachute equipment on the drones. But you have to file to fly. You have to have those waivers. We also have it for day and night, which they did eliminate that, um, where you can now get an automatic approval. But where we specialize most of our time is in no-fly zones because as we, this expansion, we're closer and closer to airports, the traditional low-income, easy-to-acquire um, ground, right? right, property. Now we've got all this. Um, so we have a process that we go through that we get approval to fly no-fly zones like Cannon Beach, we're fortunate to fly. Uh, it's a no-fly zone direct approach. Um, gateway. Yeah. A gateway. Oh, okay. so like when yeah. he does our job down <clears throat> yeah. there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, I'd never or, thought or, about or that. A but. lot of projects that he does around the different airports in mm -hmm. town. Yeah. So, Mark, in that, yeah. again, just for kind of to, no pun intended, ground the audience, <laughs> without going down a, a bunch of bantering about, you know, what's right and what's wrong. Correct. Summarize that as far as, you know, 80 to 90% of the drone operators out there are technically flying illegally. Is if they're producing revenue or if they're just being recreational? Like how, yes. like, is I think, there a difference? Yeah, yes. Okay. Oh, okay. So explain, just explain that. Whether they're flying illegally or not, um, I think most of those guys have gone since COVID. 
and I think the level of education, uh, especially in the construction arena and the film arena, is, is you have to have at least one. Now, how has COVID changed that? Because they, there wasn't sufficient business for them to survive. Okay. Ah. Right? I'm sorry, I should have clarified no, that. No, no, um, that's good. Which, which helped uh, separate the wheat from the chaff, as it were. Okay. Um, in terms of recreational versus commercial. Thank you. In the very beginning, we tried everything with the FAA when they didn't really understand what they were asking. So I would oftentimes, when an FAA officer would call me about a video and go, were you paid to fly this job? No, sir, I wasn't. I was actually paid for editing. And they go, uh, well, um, that doesn't make sense to me because you must have flown it. And I go, yes, I was only compensated for editing. Would you like a copy of the invoice? Because it was so, it was just a bowl of spaghetti that got through again, up against the wall in the very beginning. We were trying to navigate it, but still be mm. as ethical as possible. Then they changed the language, which was very smart. And they only changed the language because they went outside of the FAA uh, standard attorney route and hired civil attorneys who understand IP, they understand correct litigation. What they came back with was and said, if there is an implied benefit. So Implied. Yes. <laughs> so if you post it on YouTube, because they actually made me remove all the ad opportunities on any of the videos and i had to prove that i turned that off so the implied benefit is if someone sees it and enjoys it now you're commercial you well i mean that could be any recreational video correct but why are you doing a recreational video if it isn't for an implied benefit a benefit either eagerly, e egotistically or financially yeah, yes mom and dad you you show the video then you can keep it on your tv mm -hmm. Herein lies the distinction between hobbyist and commercial. The hobbyists still need to go and register their drones. They still need to take a test to understand the airspace, but they're not really making money from it. Gotcha. So commercial side, everything we do is commercial. So yes, is it, is it still recreational if a company, a business... No. There we go. If they're doing it even for their own stuff and there's that's all they're doing it for, they still need to go through. Correct. If they as post if it's it, a commercial, as if you're yeah. doing it and selling it. Yeah, you want to if you put it on your website, mm -hmm. promotional marketing, anything like that, oh, it's period. you have to have a commercial operator. Yeah. Okay. Again, let's still stay on the drone side. No, for I love now. it. So, give the audience the the kind of the reader's digest version of we're now like six, seven years ago to where we are now. Mm -hmm. The advancements of just the oh. drone, not the data collection, but Understood. just the drones, and then what has changed, and then explain tethering too. Oh, yes, want. tethering. Okay, okay. cool. So go ahead. So what has changed is the miniaturization and the efficacy of being able to fly. So when I started, we were heavy lifts. Heavy lifts are aircraft that are about six foot wide wingspan with Holy six cow. to eight motors on them. And even then they didn't need to carry more than 55 pounds. 55 pounds is like the cutoff for commercial. Then you get into uber commercial and militarized when you get heavier than that. But I would be flying 25, 30 pound movie cameras around and only six to seven minutes flight time. There is still a Hold need. Why, why so short? Because of the, the battery power consumption. Okay. Yes, batteries. Thank you. Now, Sorry. Again, for audience sake, like what would that unit have cost you seven years ago? 
Oh, um, well, I remember my very first one. It was $58,000. Holy. Yeah. Wow. To go and collect. And crash it. Six-minute <laughs> yeah. video, yeah. Well, you, you've, you have the batteries, so you could fly. But um, when you're on location, it's you've got to get the... And I'll talk from then and now just in production. Yeah, the, the change. When I used to show up with that, the set shut down. Craft cart lady would come over and ask me if I wanted fresh squeezed pineapple juice. <laughs> oh, come on. No, I'm serious. Because it was like. You were a celebrity. No, oh, yeah. no, the, yeah. the drone well, his guy. His personality was. was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the drone guy was like, holy crap, the drone guy's coming. Are you really putting an Alexa Mini on that? Are you really putting a red and an 85 millimeter anamorphic lens? That was like nine pounds. Oh my God. And how fast can you fly? And what are you going to do? And it took you a day just to get set up and the camera and the lenses balanced and all the rest of it. And then the set stopped and you can, you basically looked at the EP, the executive producer and the director and go, I need talent set. I'm only flying hundred feet straight forward and I'm going to do a left bank and I need to make sure this is done and that's done. And everybody watched you and it was very safe and very, very coordinated. Hmm. Now it's like, run of the mill if you turn up with a heavy lift get your shit done and, and do it and by the way i need you to fly a thousand feet you go no i'm not flying a thousand feet that's not what these aircraft are meant for we need a tight setup thousand feet out there and then you're going to have me hover for two minutes because the horse isn't ready or it's having problems i'm gonna have to land and go change batteries over there we have six to seven minutes at this altitude right to fly and these are batteries that two of them weigh nine ten pounds mm -hmm. right because that's the power consumption but there's a finite supply of time and energy and effort on a set and it because they're so big and the cameras are so wonderful they put up with it but not really anymore because you can fly an inspire 2 for example by dji with a super 35 millimeter camera you can be in the air for 30 to 35 minutes you can fly as far as you want uh, but all you're giving up is two or three stops of dynamic range which to you and me, we don't notice and we don't care. Mm. But the executive producer goes, I've got to have an Alexa Mini and I need this 47S log LUT and I need to be able to visualize it through my Super HD 18 millimeter lens with my Teradek 900 megahertz broadcasting system. You lost me. Uh, no, exactly. Right, Sounds good. Yeah. He just made it all up. No, that's, yeah, that's, no, what, that's what they want to view it on a wireless right. monitor. They don't want to leave the chair. They want everything perfect and set up and... You know, that's the, it becomes nowadays really budget and ego. And a lot of them are fighting between the ego and the budget because the stuff has become so good. Mm. The Mavic, it's not Mavic, it's a Mini 3 Pro for $1,000. It's a tiny little thing. It feels like a toy. There is, the only reason we don't use those on commercial jobs like yours, because mm -hmm. I lose sight of it in 200 feet. It's too small. But is it competent in 4K? Does it have enough of a dynamic range? Oh, my God. It's unbelievable what they've shrunk down into basically what could almost fit in a cigarette packet. packet. They're amazing. Um, so that's where the technology's come. And as an owner, the challenge now is the marketing is done by the manufacturers directly to project managers, movie producers. And they call me up all the time and go, do you have a Mavic 3 Cine? I'm like, it isn't even out yet. It's not going to be out for six weeks. Well, we have a shoot in eight weeks. We'd like you to use it. I go, why? I don't need to spend another six grand on a drone that 
It's just smaller. It doesn't have the same dynamic. Well, this is what we would like. That's why we're hiring you. They'll specify Specify what they want. Based on the marketing. And it's like, I don't know. Can you monetize that or are they expecting you to eat that? Oh, they expect you to eat it. Okay. Yeah. You just get a day rate and you're done. But your day rate based on the equipment. They won't rent the equipment from you. You're expected to have it. But that is the difference on the procurement, though. They'll either use you or whoever else is going to say yes to that question. And the guy that doesn't have 29 drones and doesn't have a $6,000 a month insurance bill is uh, the guy that will, who's a one-shop operator. It would be his excuse to go and invest and buy it. So come back strictly to more of the you know, AEC market, the architecture, engineering, construction mm-hmm. market, for the, for the sake of this podcast. What, what technologies are happening there from the drone side? Are you staying to the consistent size? Because you're saying that smaller isn't necessarily better now. Because it, it you, you care more job. about the data, right? Yeah, so it's a really good, really, really good question because every drone manufacturer out there is trying to create a drone where you can swap the payload. The payload being a DSLR, the payload uh. being a thermal, payload being a gas sniffer, uh, or whatever the job may be. Because for them, it's multiple revenue sources. We sell the unit with a camera, then we sell you an Thermal upgraded camera. camera, then we sell you thermal... And you look at the pricing and the actual cost base, these guys are four or five times uh, factor on the cost. Like you take a standard LiDAR unit that yeah. you're paying 200 grand for, it really does cost 26 grand to put it together. Oh my gosh. But they're charging the price. And we get that from the guys who give them the sensors. Uh, but it's the reputation and the calibration that gets them to justify it. Um, but from the architectural side, um, being able to fly a sl- small form factor with a full-blown DSLR, same as the guy on the ground is using on sticks and a ladder, we could now do that and to a super high level. Like um, We have the ability to produce 91 megapixel images, stacked and bracketed. We want to do low-light, romantic lighting of a building or anything like that, take it to architectural review on the front cover from a drone with no vibration or motion blur all day long now. We can do that. Okay, go, go. Uh, explain the tethering for everyone. Oh, fascinating. S- super love this. Um, one of the challenges with battery technology is the ability to be in the air for as long as you want. Gas is dangerous. The only people needing a drone that can fly long enough is Forest Service for... Um, migration and vegetation and everything, but they don't want gas and they don't want lithium batteries because it can explode. So tethering is the way in which we've done a lot of traffic surveys where we will launch a drone and it has a very fine carbon filament attached to the battery that attaches to a special computer system that lets out and retracts the tether based on wind conditions that's attached to a generator. So basically think of it this way. We take a, a battery, turn it into a dummy host, and through a circuit board, control the output from the generator of the electrical signal so that the drone can actually accept it and fly. We've done 26 surveys all lasting between 8 and 12 hours a day on each of the intersections. And the purpose of the footage is, one, to record video, and two, to live stream if needed, but the companies out there will, uh, two big projects we've been involved in. One can identify whatever you want that's in the field of frame. 
If you'd like to know how many pedestrians walk across an intersection over an eight-hour period, it takes five minutes to calculate. If you'd like to know how many are wearing Adidas shoes, five minutes to calculate. What I like about it is the average number of vehicles passing over that tarmac at the average uh, temperature will determine how long before the tarmac fails. You can find that out in five minutes. Mm. It's that cool. It's fascinating. It's what's, what's amazing. When, when you are tethered, Mark, what's mm-hmm. like the maximum range? Is there, there, is there maximums? Yeah, there are. So depending on where you are, you're restricted to your altitude based on the particular area of the okay. national space grid. For most of this, you do it at 200 feet with the camera, whatever the perfect angle is for the survey. But you can cover, like we did Cam- Camelback and 19th Avenue for the light rail because people were jumping into traffic, skipping over the light rail fences and jaywalking. Ah. So we're able to track that um, migration. You can With Tether, you can track thermal when people were sick at events. You can see who's... Who's got a fever. Who's got a fever. Yeah. Um, from Tether. Uh, the other one that was really fascinating was a German company hired us at specific intersections while the Waymo, is that the right? Yep. Car was driving around at the same time so that they could then stitch in the three dimensional space above them and project further down the road than the car could see, which is why we had to have specific angles at each intersection as they're driving along. These are things that you I don't think about. Nobody no. thinks about. That's no, why I told you. so hey, cool. Listen, this is why he's called the chief geek. And he no, puts it right it, on his and business. It really, it, it, Notice this isn't a business card for you watching yeah. the video. Mm-hmm. He's got a poker chip. Yeah. 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 And usually he, 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 he kind of wins, usually. Yeah, that's why he, he beats the safe, house. It's a safe bet. He beats the house. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. for the essence of time, we got to uh, keep yeah. going. So now let's go over to the technology side. Yeah. And don't go too granular, but just, yeah. just okay, so everyone knows about cameras. Mm-hmm. So you can talk a little bit about camera technology. Mm-hmm. Explain LiDAR, mm-hmm. thermal, gas sniffers, and any other cool stuff. Sure. So go be a geek and geek out now. All right. <clears throat> for Again, just educate the audience. Wait, ex- I've got to ask this one what? question. Getting excited. So How many drones did you say you had? Uh, sadly, 29. <laughs> okay. I thought so. How many yeah, has he crashed? Yeah, no. 247. <laughs> Probably a lot less than in the beginning. But in, in yeah. the, Actually, you know, it's an interesting uh, phenomenon. Um, you crash in the beginning because you don't know what you're doing. Right. Then you get really, really good, and there becomes a point mm. where you don't crash. And then you start crashing all over again. Because you're good. Because you're good. Yeah. And you're pushing it. And then you get into FPV and start crashing a five-inch drone at 100 miles an hour. That becomes a lot of fun. Okay. Okay. A lot of fun. So, so give us the geeky stuff, Mark. The geeky stuff. Um, so cameras. Um, remember that a sensible operator isn't trying to invade anybody's privacy. Okay. The reason that some of these cameras are out there in terms of zoom is for safety or... One can't enter that airspace because of restrictions, but needs to see what's going on in that restricted airspace. So Mm. think of a no-fly zone around an airport, but they're putting up a cell phone tower. They want to see how many modems are there. They want to see in the serial numbers. They want to see everything, but we can't fly a drone close enough. So I I have one right now, and there's even better ones than this, that is a 30-time optical zoom, not software zoom, So it's a box that moves the glass 30 times, and I can catch a car from two miles away and read their license plate when they're doing 60 miles an hour. There comes a time when dreams become a reality. 
when you see your vision materialize into a true work of art. And the only way to get there is to choose a general contractor who shares that same vision and knows how to bring it to life. At Blue Wave, we aren't so big that we've forgotten where we've come from, and we aren't so small that we can't care for your projects regardless of their size. When your vision deserves safety, perfection, timeliness, and expertise in order to become a reality, trust Blue Wave to get it done right the first time. No way. Now there is technology out there. What do you think the government's doing if you could do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We don't want to we don't want to go with that hey, gig out yet. Yeah. Come on now. So but yeah. I would um there is a camera that's not a camera. It's already a six inch by four inch box. It records and it's very hard to wrap your noodle around, but it records in binary. And it has eleven different sensors stacked. Uh, think of it just like wafers. Yeah, And it has a piece of glass on the front and various other sensors on the front. That I personally saw an image from seven miles away in um, Shanghai where you could tell that the woman had a barrette in her hair and that she had a sleeve on her cup of coffee, but you couldn't read what it was. But what, seven miles. Seven miles. But what is staggering from this unit is it's not recording a traditional picture. If you want a movie exported from it, a video file, you can have it. If you want the point cloud exported, you can, you can have it. If you need to change the depth of field, like our iPhones do, now they have lenses where you can make the back blurred, right. bokeh, you can export the data any way you want. Wow. So that's already here. So that covers the cameras. Multispectral is fun. Multispectral is the way to see different lengths of wavelight that then translate in the hands of a skilled agronomist to plant stress. The holy grail right now for multispectral in agriculture is to identify uh, males before they, uh, male plants in um, hemp growth to, before they destroy and cause the females basically their version of estrus, which ruins the right. crop. And at a million bucks an acre to develop the, this high caliber um, pot, yeah. hemp, whatever you want to call it. CBD. Yeah. Um, that's the holy grail that everyone's going after right now because mm -hmm. flying each day, we already have agricultural drones that are amazing that you fly one drone, it creates a three-dimensional three map of your fields, and then you upload it to five or six of them, and they all swarm together. They need the 3D map to avoid the cell phone tower or the fence post or anything because they're flying 16 inches above the plants. And they will spray them. And they will spray only the areas that are starting to have an infestation, like an imago sense. start. Right. So selective, but they'll go out there and, and just spray. It's so think of the cost-benefit analysis. Is that, that, is that programmed as well, or are you yes. having to actually fly? You're not having no, to fly that. You, so. You're setting up the initial program, mm -hmm. and then you're controlling them all. Gotcha. The FAA allows up to five. The most they've done in the States that I'm aware of is six, and in China they do regularly 20 to 30 at a time. Gotcha. Yeah. And they, they have the nozzles, and they have the different pitches of prop, 
So there's a slight oscillation of the motors as they come close to make sure they lift up. Isn't that amazing? And the, the, the solution, call it like glycol, is extra sticky so it stays on there longer so it can uh, kill more aphids uh, than a human could do. Like it. he was saying, though, think of the efficacy moving forward of if you go all throughout the plains, you know, the, the plain states and oh, all I, that wheat and corn and soybeans and everything that's coming in. The way that agronomy is just changing. You're you're average, you're no longer a farmer anymore. You're average as, American, yeah. anybody out there has no, no clue right. that mm-hmm. this stuff exists. Well, we even uh, ran it up the flagpole when COVID was out for us to go and spray all the local uh, parks, and um, we even got down to the level of um, uh, chemical we needed and the amount of time based on ambient temperature it had to stay oh liquid. And it unfortunately didn't go anywhere, but we could have run around the whole valley and disinfected everything. Okay, so speaking of which, go down some cool examples of both LIDAR and thermal. Oh, perfect. Especially as it relates to think construction. Yes. So the difference between traditional photogrammetry and creating a 3D model, and we're using a camera, and LIDAR, is that LIDAR is basically pulses of light that can get through vegetation, the gaps in vegetation. They don't pierce the vegetation and go through the leaf, but it gets to the ground. A photograph, when it has two leaves crossing, sees the two leaves and then the void between the two as a dark patch and it can't get any data because it doesn't know it's related to the ground. So if you're flying over a canopy of trees, so the application of photogrammetry, in our case, flying down the desert, getting the barren earth and over the washes that are heavily vegetated, We're trying to create a surface for calculations and for building and development, bridges, whatever it might be, infrastructure. And photogrammetry does an amazing job. But LIDAR, when you get through that vegetation, actually gets you to the true surface. It is very costly equipment-wise. It's costly to process. But when you're getting 500 points per square meter and an aeroplane that you spend a lot of money using gets nine points per meter which data set is going to be better. Right. And the companies that do these LIDAR and um, photogrammetry surveys, once you have the data and you give it to the client, you have the data forever. And you can do predictive modeling analysis like do 5,000 acres of Scottsdale and then you can run a predictive model because you have the LIDAR, billions of points, going, if we build a subdivision up here and we widen the road by an extra lane, how does that affect the watershed? Boom. Oh, Christ, that's going to block that box culvert. Then we're going to have flooding two and a half miles down the road. So that's why flood does a lot of work with LIDAR, mm-hmm. flood control. Um, the computations from the data collected are only restricted by the software and our ideology right now. For example, the frustration in the drone business is everyone calls me and goes, hey, Mark, I can, get, I can have you fly faster, do more stuff higher resolution and I keep pushing back and going, I don't need to fly faster. I don't need to fly further. I don't need higher resolution because we're not using the resolution that we're delivering right now. The data sets are so big. And and until flood control comes to me and says that we're no longer doing one foot contours, we now need one inch contours, I'm already delivering better than that. So they have to go to one millimeter. Could you have anything that gives you a one millimeter guaranteed accuracy right now? Well, no. Well, then I don't need it. And that's the challenge because yeah. CAD only handles such so many right, size of right. files. 
we're already delivering. We have to scale everything down and dumb it down for our engineering firms for them to be able to instantly think, absorb it. I think, Mark, that's a great point of yeah. that you guys, your industry, the data is, I wouldn't say superfluous, but out, out, outflanking everybody else yeah, in so the interpretation and application yeah. of the data. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. So when I talk to survey uh, surveyors and if they're accepting of drone technology as a tool as opposed to seeing it as a threat, um, I just simply explain to them, I go, look, which would you rather give to your client? Imagine you're in your back garden right now and you're sitting by the pool and your kids throw two beach balls on the pool and they're floating around. That's your survey. Me, I'm the annoying neighbor next door that just drove over with a truckload of ping pong balls and covered your entire surface of your swimming pool. You can't even see the swimming pool now. But that's my data. Which would you rather give to a client? Because you can bifurcate it, twist it, do anything you want from it, cut it out, scale it back. At least you have all the data. Because let's be honest, between the two beach balls, there's a shit ton of stuff going on. Right? And that's where the inaccuracies come in. That's where the, the challenges come in. And then you deal the same with engineering firms, giving them the right data. When we're flying over a right-of-way, we just did 200 miles of road in, in Arizona, we're able to zoom in and see the top of the rebar and do our line work from rebar post to rebar post. And I was going to ask asphalt. you about rebar here in a minute. Yeah. 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 And we're delivering that data. And I'm going to say something that's going to make me extremely unpopular. The, the firms out there have a business model from circumstance, I don't believe from true design, that requires them to keep making change orders because the data they got in the beginning is the only data they got, 100-foot, 50-foot grid. I'm giving you half-inch data points. So if you get that up front and we do the line work for you, edge of asphalt, back of curb and gutter, whatever it is, your building envelope, it doesn't matter. We give you all the CAD files. You're not going to have the mistakes. The change orders are going to be owner-directed as opposed to field-directed. You might not make as much money on the project, but now we've given everything to you. You're eliminating the back-end stress and the backlog. Mm -hmm. Go do more business development. Do you think, makes sense? Right. Mark, do you think in your most humble opinion that you know our industry slow to change, right? Very. Especially in the AC world. However, what I always see is I always see capital and capital and capital will always prevail and always change. It does it in every market. So are you saying, or can I speculate here, that eventually the data that you are providing will, in essence, be the, the catalyst for performance going forward, and then the decisions will be made off that? We're already seeing that, and this is where I have such a sense of pride, because um, let's dumb it down. I'm, yeah. I'm flying a toy. Doesn't matter if it's a forty-two thousand dollars top of line Swiss. Don't care about the toy. Case. I care about the data coming from the toy. You got it. Yeah. So I'm I'm flying a toy, and my toy is influencing decisions on whether companies bid on a job or not. Mm -hmm. Is it fat? Is it short? Yep. Don't like it because they can already make the decision before it's a mistake. People use us and call us. How we get involved is there's an oh shit factor on the job site. Mm -hmm. We demobbed and my pads are twelve inches off, and we don't know why. And then you get into it and you can see the acrimony between engineering survey, the PM, the earthworks company, the concrete company, because they're all working off different data sets. Yep. I come in and then 
<laughs> I'm Robert's over no, here. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. I'm not lying. I, I actually have a couple of recordings where the people have said that. We're not paying attention to the drone dude. He's a drone dude. And I'm like, well, the drone dude got your bust. Because that pink rock, you went out and surveyed, that pink rock exists, right? So why is my drone data bad? Well, it's bad. I go, it's bad because you don't like what it's saying. Yeah. Just because you don't like what I'm yeah. saying doesn't yeah. mean I'm wrong. Correct. That pink rock exists. You agreed to the elevation. Your design says your pad should be at this height. The pads are actually at this height. So you have to remobilize and come in and import another foot, foot of dirt. I'm sorry. Oh, and by the way, don't forget your shrinkage factor, which is off based on the soils report. I'm the drone dude. I yeah. only know what I know because people have asked me to fix the problems. After that conversation, then they call me out in the very beginning on the OG. Let's have it on the OG. Stockpiles are a classic example. Well, they only won't pay me. We, our scale says we crushed an extra 15,000. I go, well, according to the drone data, you didn't. So there's a problem with this, uh, the scale. Well, we had it calibrated. Now, because of that, certain counties in the state require an OG from a drone company, doesn't, isn't always us, and that they don't believe what the scale says. So mm. there's a pivotal change right there. Making building decisions, having the OG, not using the owner's topo. That's how I ended up with the uh, boosting account on a project called Clarendon. But people don't know what they don't know. Uh, Correct. And, and, and all of these things, I mean, we, we get into it in our business yeah. all the time. Um, and just by knowing or, and or um, embracing, I guess, is, I mean, people, some people will know and then never embrace it. What the drone guy can provide is, can be a, a game changer for, for a GC, for an owner, um, in making a decision whether or not you're even going to buy that parcel in the first place. Well, I think that's what I was getting to before yeah. with, the, with the... Do it pro forma, well, don't do it. Yeah, with the escalation and everything that we're looking at, yeah. you know, with the finite resources that we're also dealing with... Um, you know, it's not just Mark, it's Mark's entire industry of yeah. what started off as a benign drone thing really is just this catalyst of, da of data. Um, they just they just got what the faster, coolest tool to get that data, right? Yeah. Um, you know, because I was going to go down the path of, because uh, I know Mark does this, is taking BIM and IPD and then verifying that both before and after. You know, taking right. the architect's engineer's model and turning that all digital and then recording that. I mean, think about, you know, as-builts. Oh. You know, mm -hmm. we still talk about as-builts like it's a 1982 like paradigm. You're, like you're right? doing it with a red pen. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. It's like, uh, hello, you know. I mean, Mark, you're over there chuckling, but it's so true. And it's still 90, I, I mean, it's scary how much of the percentage of our industry still operates in that vacuum. So I'm going to throw the JJ question. So what, what that we haven't talked about, yeah. What is what what is something that you would want to share with our audience that we haven't asked that you think would be beneficial? It's not really a question, it's more more of a statement. It's Okay. Everybody's so busy and everybody's so backlogged that we get the brush off. At the end of the day, I'm fortunate that I have a company that I I really don't need to do any work to pay my bills and mm -hmm. I, I really do want to help people and if you're a surveyor an engineering firm that has a backlog drones can fix it at an incredible pace and we just get blown off all the time we're, oh, we're too busy we're too busy well you're too busy doing it the old way just give me a project 
hell, I'll, I'll do a test project. Not that I need to prove it. I can show thousands of projects, but let's go out and, and fix it. Like the road project uh, came to us because they needed a faster way to put the line striping down. So we flew it and gave them the CAD. And the like, well, the problem is the edge of asphalt is so worn out. We really don't know where the edge of asphalt is. Well, the drone just gave you the edge of asphalt and right. the CAD files. So what did they do? Genius to them. They uploaded it in a GPS positioning road striping machine and off it went. Hmm. Yeah, and guess what? They got the same price. They made a shit ton more money. Yep. And they, they're like, you're and not... alleviated a bunch of mistakes. <laughs> alleviated a bunch of mistakes. And hey, Mark, you're not an operating cost line item now. You're a profit item. Bingo. Bingo. And yeah. that's the thing. We just want the opportunity to show people what it does. And everything I've learned today, it isn't because I sat and went on YouTube or mm -hmm. looked in a book or sat there pontificating. It was, Mark, can a drone do this? In my best Urkel accent, I can't even say it. You know, did I do this? <laughs> but can a drone do this? And we're like, I don't know. But, but we'll try it. it. We'll try it. Yeah. Can't see why not. Like thermal. Hey, Mark, we've got an issue. We can't disclose it with you, but we think we've got theft on our roof. Could you go figure it out? Well, what are you looking for in theft? Well, we think these panels exist on another property. Well, why? Well, we can't disclose that. Okay. So what are you looking for? We're not sure. And I go, well, do you have current panels up there that you know that haven't been stolen? I'm like, uh-huh. Okay, so we go fly the current panels as a test. We go back and replicate the exact same conditions on the other panels. And then you see that they're broken and have been bent and flexed. And uh, even though you could physically go up and see it, but because of the contention, the company couldn't have access to the property. There's nothing in the law that says we can't. Uh, if we're entering national airspace and we have permission and we're not on their property, there is no reason why we can't get the data. And that's what we showed, 2,700 pounds. <laughs> see, like I, you know, I don't mind sharing a little bit of purview with the audience here that mm -hmm. I'd approached Mark. Well, for, I had this crazy idea on a project about how I wanted to, you know, once we're done with as the contractor in the tangible asset, I wanted to go into, you know, the meta space and figure out how to monetize that in, in that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I approached, this is, this is my call out. Mark was the first guy I thought of, of how do we take all this digital technology and transform that into a revenue stream for not only us, but in this case for our owner, yeah. so that we could take an equity position in this so we could all print money on recurring revenue, okay? Mm -hmm. And it, again, I'm not going to disclose the, 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 the granular effects of this, mm -hmm. But Mark's brain and what he knows from doing all of his data collection in this, it was brilliant what his answer came back. Now, we still haven't, we haven't done that. We haven't effectuated that with the client. But I did share it with the client, and immediately he was like, yeah, I'm interested. Now, we're not to that point yet, but, the po but I, I, what I'm trying to do is kind of close this out going, yeah, call the dumb drone guy because there, there's, there's technology solutions there for all of us and the efficacy in all of our industries. Because we're all getting pushed back on that pro forma thing. You know, we, we, where's the return? Where's the return? Well, factor out the dumb, okay? There's and that's what we're talking about. You know, back to we, we can't fix the stupid in society. Exactly. But we can engineer it out sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, Robert, anything else you can think no, of? No, not for me. How do people get a hold of you? Uh, people are going to want to get a hold of you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's oh. very kind. Um, I'm, to modify their Audis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah modify their Audis. I'm at anybody's beck and call. And I, I just, for anybody listening or watching this, I, I'm so blessed to love what I do. Yeah. And um, it, it really, I'm, people say it all the time, well, there has to be a financial reward. The financial reward comes from doing something that you love and helping clients. I'm a pleaser. Mm -hmm. So if I don't get an attaboy from 
um, JJ or any of my clients, I'm going to follow up to make sure I did a good job because that's the only way that we improve. Right. Um, getting a hold of me is really simple. Our website is extremeaerialproductions.com or feel free to call me. I'll give you my uh, private cell phone number at 602-908-2043. I answer it all the time and I'm excited to work on solutions for people and help them. And you do work all over. You're not just in Arizona. So we expanded into Las Vegas. We're now, oh, that's the other thing we just hired because of the level of work we're doing now. We just hired, I call them my geospatial super nerds. And uh, between the two of them, they have three PhDs in the geospatial uh, space. So we're in Colorado now. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me, Mark. <laughs> no. <laughs> call this call this guy. Yeah, get your poker chip. Whatever if you else, do. If that's all go you have, have a whiskey and a cigar with him because you'll be entertained forever. Yeah, thanks. Okay. thanks for being on. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, thanks Appreciate you. Absolutely off the charts. Yeah. Off the hook. Whatever. Yeah, you call it. Well, it sounds like diners, drives, and dives or something. He's <laughs> <laughs> the guy Fieri of the. The guy. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, there, okay. He is. there he is. Awesome. Uh, okay. We'll see you next week. Go ahead and get us out of here. You've been listening to The Mac and Blue Show, brought to you by Tory Contracting and Blue Wave General Contracting. Be sure to subscribe to The Mac and Blue Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Follow Robert Johnson and JJ Lewinsky on LinkedIn and Instagram. Tune in live every first and third Thursday at 3 p.m. as we continue to introduce you to the people building Arizona. Walt Disney said, you can dream, create, design, and build the most wonderful place in the world, but requires people to make the dream a reality. Until next time, make it a great day.